Hello and welcome to the Green Industry Podcast with Paul Jamison. This show is all about helping lawn care and landscaping professionals take your business to the next level. Paul is the author of four best-selling books, including Cut That Grass and Make That Cash, and his brand new book, The Lawn Care Advantage, Winning Strategies for a Thriving Landscaping Business, available on Audible and narrated by Mr. Producer. Now, here's your host. Paul Jamison. Take three with Marvin from Texas. We had a couple hiccups there, but we're back. How you doing, Marvin? Wonderful. Amazing. How are you, sir? How did, I'm great. How did your speech go at the huge convention? Really, really well. I needed, we needed at least another hour. Oh, it was so good. Uh, Naylor's got a man crush on you, man. He's always talking about you and JP. And yesterday I saw you both on Payjack's podcast. That was pretty epic, man. Yes, the lawn care millionaire. Oh, yeah. I told him the lawn care billionaire here's no the way he's going. Yeah. I, he, he might get there before too long. Yeah. I he's don't know where he's at, but he's, he's, he's on his way. He took a little uh, extended vacation. Two years. Yeah. Sometimes you got to do that. Yeah. It's okay. So how's things down in Texas? Hot right now. Oh, my God. It's ridiculously hot. It's been 110 like every day for a month. What city in Texas are you in? Tyler, Texas. Okay. It's a little bitty town about 90 miles east of Dallas. So we're in East Texas. It's the pretty side of Texas with all the grass and trees. Is that a sarcasm? Or? No, seriously. Oh, you have grass in Texas? Yes, sir. Yeah. I imagine it was like, I don't know, like uh, dirt. No, no, cows. Not, not in East Texas. No, we lots of grass and trees. It's real pretty. Okay. Matter so, of fact, our town is the rose capital of the world. Oh wow! Yeah, we export more roses than anybody else. Okay, so tell us your. I know it's been a roller coaster business, um, but g- give everyone the the ninety second abbreviated version of who you are. Whew. Okay, so I uh, started my landscaping business twenty something years ago. I come from nothing. My family doesn't have money or whatever. And uh, I, in college, I, I remember I didn't wasn't making enough money, and I asked my dad, I was like, hey, I need to make some more money. I'm not really making the making ends meet. Do you have any ideas? He said, let me think about it. I'll call you back. About an hour later, he called me back, and he said, why don't you go do what you know how to do? Bye, Christine. See ya. And uh, he told me, he said, uh, go mow yards. You know how to do that. And so that's how I got started. Started with a push mower, a weed eater, and a blower uh, out of the back of my girlfriend's car. Um, who is now my wife. Oh, okay. 21 years. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, that's how I got started. I mean, I literally pushed more weed eater and blower, printed up some really awful, crappy flyers, and uh, passed them out and started growing. Built that business up. This was up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Sold it off. Moved to Tyler in June of 03 and started over. We built the business up. I merged with another company. We got really big, really fast. And uh, then my partnership fell apart. It was really toxic, really bad. Left that partnership in October of 2016, and I started completely over. Uh, since October of 2016, we have rebuilt, and we went from virtually nothing to last year we closed out at $5 million in sales. Um, in the past couple of years, we've literally grown 1,500% in the past two or three years. Uh, we've been on the Inc. 5,000 list. Uh, for the past two years running, and that's the 5,000 fastest growing privately held companies in America list. And uh, we continue to grow. Uh, we actually just rebranded last week. We, had, we did a soft launch last week, 
and we pivoted from Salcedo Lawn to Salcedo Home Solutions. Nice. And now we're opening up to more service offerings. Uh, we're, we have a uh, HVAC company coming on board, maid service, garage doors, and uh, home remodeling. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. for more companies to buy out. So you uh, spoke here at the huge convention. I missed it. I was in here podcasting, but you spoke about mergers and acquisitions. Yes, sir. Things of that nature. So uh, fill us in. Oh, man. So I love the mergers and acquisition space. I've done about 24 uh, deals in my lifetime. Uh, not all of them have been successful, but that's okay. Um, and uh, so I've, I've started to grow my knowledge in the space, and now I consult on it, and uh, I help other uh, people in the service industry uh, with the mergers and acquisition space. And, you know, we're, we're approaching on uh, one of the largest transfers of wealth in, in human history or in recorded history. And uh, we have a massive amount of baby boomers that are about to retire. And so we literally have trillions of dollars that are going to be changing hands in the next 10 years. Well, the problem is, is that uh, only about 20% of businesses that go up for sale actually sell. Wow. Um, They either can't find a buyer or something, the deal falls apart during the sale or they make the transition and it falls apart shortly thereafter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the majority of the, the businesses that go up for sale end up getting the Viking funeral. They end up just shutting the business down and just turning them out to pasture and wishing them the best. And uh, that happens far too often. And when we have this many businesses that are coming up for sale in the or coming up with some sort of transition in the very near future, why not capitalize on that in us as investors be able to swoop in and not take advantage of people, but to uh, capitalize on the opportunity and be able to snag these businesses up so that they don't give them the Viking funeral and allow these people to retire with dignity. Out of these 24 deals, was those people you've helped or where'd that no, figure no, come from? No, that, that does not include the, the deals I've helped. That's, those are deals that I've personally done. Where you've purchased other companies? I've either purchased or sold companies. Uh, I've purchased far more than I've sold. I've only sold a couple personally. Mm-hmm. I've helped other deals go through. But <coughs> um, some of them have been really, really tiny deals, $1,000 deals, uh, where I purchased client lists, stuff like that. And then mm-hmm. I've done all the way up into the, uh, you know, the million-dollar range. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've purchased people out that have been twice the size of my company. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've made deals uh, or have done been in negotiations on even far bigger deals to buy out other companies. Mm-hmm. Not all of them go through, but you gotta, you got to knock on a few doors and you got to try stuff before it works out. Yeah, totally. So, hey, hey, Payjack. Hey, Jack, you want to tell them to like and subscribe? <laughs> we're, on, we're on YouTube here, and uh, Pay Jack was standing in front of the camera. So Whoops. We That's are- all right. You did that to Naylor earlier. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> so um, let's do the selling part, or pardon me, the you sold your business yeah. part. Uh, what you? What was the main mistakes you made on that, and what what did you learn from from selling a business? Don't sell the family. What does that mean? <laughs> so I sold a deal to a brother-in-law. Oh, and, I see uh, what you mean. It's been twenty years, and he still owes me money. Um, your wife's brother. Yep, yeah, uh, brother is a stepbrother, something okay. like that. 
But that relationship's fractured since then. Eh, it's not a big deal. It's water under the bridge. He didn't owe me a whole lot, but, you know, he stopped paying me over time. And, you know. Thanksgiving seems a little different. Yeah, a little bit. That's all right. Um, well, no, it's, it's, I'm, I'm glad grown, you shared I've that. because since then. If you are going to sell it, don't even take the chance. You can, as long as there's lots and lots of clarity and, you know, you have a very open relationship and you're able to work through a lot of the stuff prior to selling. Mm-hmm. Um problem that happens with a lot of uh, generational transfer is that let's say the dad wants to uh, sell the business to the son or daughter or whatever. Well, they, they've grown up that, you know, they've built this business up for years and years and they want this really high multiple because they plan on retiring with this. Well, the problem is, is their business isn't always necessarily worth what they want. Mm-hmm. Well, because it's such a weird dynamic between father and son uh, or father and daughter, they don't want to hurt their feelings and they want to honor their parents. And so they end up giving them what it is that they're asking for. Well, the business can't, doesn't always, is not always able to support that. And so uh, the, ends up, the business ends up failing because they can't support the payment and pay them mm-hmm. as the new owner. And so it ends up hurting the business, hurting the relationship, and the business ends up failing. So uh, unless there's a very uh, open and honest negotiations, um, I don't always suggest uh, selling. Yeah, stay away from family on the sale in most cases. That would make sense. Anything else you learned in the selling for you, the seller part? Um. Man, did you hire a business broker? Did you no, hire insurance no. banking? I, no, I heard no. JP the deals talk about I did were really small deals. Okay, uh, and this was twenty years ago. Since then, everything I've done Buying. has been collecting. So, how does that go to protect yourself? Then, like, do you have a, attorneys and everything as you're going oh, to buy? Every deal I do is uh, written up by an attorney. Okay, my attorney told me a long time ago: if it's not written down, it never happened. Exactly. And so, I don't do handshake deals. I don't care who you are. I don't care how how long I've known you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is trustworthy as you are. I'm still going to have course. it written down because I want there to be clarity on both sides. Yeah. Both what you should expect from me and what I should expect from you. So and, when you're buying a company, Marvin, what do you what do you look and how do you how do you do this valuation? Oh man, that's far too much to talk about right here. But I can give you the snapshot. So I mean, I'm going to look at everything from how much money it's making, just gross revenue. What's the gross? Uh, what's the net profit? Um, what's the culture look like in the business? Uh, do they have a lot of employee turnover? Do they have a lot of longstanding employees? Do they have systems and processes? Uh, is everything built around the owner? So if the owner exits the company, is there going to be a problem? Or is uh, the there's enough uh, systems and processes set up so that if the boat owner does exit, it's not a big deal? Mm-hmm. Um, do they have good equipment or am I going to have to replace the equipment shortly after? Um, are they paying all the employees appropriately? Because mm-hmm. a lot of times, you know, they haven't necessarily given raises when they should. And, uh, you know, the employees are underpaid. Well, what ends up happening is, is shortly after the, the transfer of ownership, the new owner comes in and says, oh, I think you should give everybody raises. Well, they bought it based on this evaluation, not based on the new evaluation of giving everybody raises. So that changes things. Um, man, there's, there's so much, um, is it a like service offering? You know, is everything priced appropriately? Uh, do they have contracts? Is everything a handshake deal? Uh, do they have one, um, 
customer that makes up more than 20% of the service? Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, is everything made up of a bunch of smaller uh, customers? All that makes a difference in the evaluation of the business. Stop wasting time responding to website inquiries that are not in profitable service areas. Let my service area filter those inquiries for you so you know every inquiry will be in one or more of your profitable areas. My service area is a secretary for your website that will only allow good leads and inquiries through your website. This means no more looking up addresses and responding to people that you cannot service. Using my service area will allow you to focus on certain areas which help build dense routes. Daily miles traveled matter more than ever today, so knowing your numbers and how far you can travel mean everything to your success. Start saving time and become more efficient today with My Service Area. You can learn more at myserviceareacom forward slash Paul. Again, that's myserviceareacom forward slash Paul. Mr. Producer here, bringing you some exciting news. The Equip Exposition is celebrating its 40th anniversary in Louisville, Kentucky, October 17th through the 20th. That is definitely the place to be. And if we got a special deal for you, use the code Paul for an incredible 50% off your tickets. Dive into the show notes, grab that link, and secure your spot. Say goodbye to disorganized and inefficient business management. Upgrade to Jobber, the field service management software. Streamline every aspect of your business from quoting to invoicing. Impress your customers and increase your productivity. Start your journey to success with Jobber now at getjobber.com forward slash Paul. Again, that's getjobber.com forward slash Paul. So how does it go then when you when you have that number, do you present that to them or do they present you a number? I'm sure it goes back and forth quite a bit. How does all that work? So I've always been a fan of he who talks first loses. And so I always try to get them to give me a number first. And it helps me to know what ballpark I'm playing in because they may come to the table with a number that is more fair than what I would have offered. And I'd be like, oh yeah, absolutely. Let's do that. Because I may, in my evaluation, I may have come up with, it's a $2 million business, but he only wants a million dollars for it. Well, I'm not going to negotiate myself up to a $2 million. If he only wants a million, I'll give the guy a million dollars. He'll be happy for it. Uh, but he may also want $3 million, but it's only worth two. And so I always do my best. Not everybody's willing to do this, but I try and get them to give me a number first. So if they say a million, you just cut them a check for a million bucks and you get all the equipment and you get the employee. Like, how does it oh, work? Man, that's all in the negotiations. Okay. So it all depends on how the how the business is going to be transferred. Is the owner going to stay on and work for a while? Is there going to be an earn out? So he has to earn uh, the, the payout over so many years. Uh, you could do a structured annuity uh, to where I pay you out over five or ten years. Uh, think of it like the lottery. You win the lottery, you get a big check up front, or you can get paid out over time. If you get paid out over time, you make more money than if you get the big check up front. So if I'm going to pay you up front, I have to get a discounted deal because that's going to cost me actual money because I have to go to a bank or I have to it has to come out of my pocket to be able to stroke that check. And so I need to get a discount for that because I'm writing you a big old fat check up front. Mm-hmm. And you you've done several of those deals i've done both both ways where i've uh, structured it out an annuity and i pay it out over time because you got to remember say uh 
you know, you come in and I, we agree on a $2 million price. Well, if I write you a check up front, your $2 million on day one, you're going to lose approximately 60% of that to taxes. Wow. Uh, not only... How so 60? Uh, so you have capital gains tax and income tax. Wow. And so you're going to lose a huge chunk of that from day one. Whereas if I pay you out over five or 10 years, you spread your liability out. And instead of walking away with, you know, what was that? 1.4 million, you're going to go home with a, a little closer to 2 million. You'll walk, you'll go home with uh, 1.8 million or something like that. After everything's said and done, you pay your taxes out over several years. You spread your liability out. Yeah. Most guys watching Marvin are maybe in, you know, 250,000 to 1 million re annual revenue first, second, third, fourth year. We're talking young business, not, not young in age, yeah. but young in Younger business, business owners. Yeah. Uh, what's your tip to them as they're building it so when they go to sell it one day, they'll get top dollar? So think about whenever you're starting a business, what's your exit plan? What do you want to do? Because you're going to exit your business one day, whether you like it or not. And so if you plan with the exit in mind and you work backwards, you're going to get your best multiples at when you do exit. Mm -hmm. So you're going to want to grow. You want to make sure that everything is priced appropriately, that you're, you have contracts in place, that you're replacing your equipment on a, you know, a strategic basis, not that everything has to replace, be replaced every third year. You want to spread that out. Um, and then as you grow, you want to you want to maximize how much net profit you have. Most business owners uh, minimize how much net profit they have because they don't want to pay taxes. Well, that has the opposite effect for you whenever you go to sell, because I have to look at what the numbers say, not off of what your tax guy tells me or what you can. Well, if you do this and this and this, you, it's going to be worth this. Well, I'm sorry, but that's not what your numbers say. Good, Marvin. I have to go off the facts, not off of emotion. And so, you know, three to five years before you're ready to sell, you need to maximize as much profit into your business as possible. Make your business as lean as possible. Because the more uh, EBITDA or the more net profit you can pull. Say that word again. EBITDA. Well, no, what's that? So that's earning before taxes and depreciation. EBITDA. Um, earnings so, before tax and depreciation. Okay. EBITDA. And uh, it, it's basically, it's net profit. So the, the most uh, is if you can maximize your net profit, let's say, you know, as a, as a tax strategy, you were only squeezing out 5% net because you don't want to pay a lot of taxes. Well, three to five years out, you want to show that you're really running 20 to 30% net profit. Mm -hmm. And you're, it's going to suck, but you're going to have to pay those taxes. Mm -hmm. But when you go to sell, you're going to be able to base that off of 30% net, not 5% net. That's good. That's really good. You mentioned systems and processes. Thanks, Angelica. Thank you. Say hi to YouTube. <laughs> um, you talked about systems and processes. How, how, how important is it to get all of that? Uh, really oh, tight. It's so important because the more the business runs without the business owner to where not everything revolves around him. For me as an investor, the more profitable or the more enticing it is to buy that business. Because if everything revolves around you as the business owner and if you get sick or you die and the business completely falls apart, what does that say whenever you exit the business? 
all virtually the same thing is going to happen. Mm-hmm. But if you have everything strategized out and, and you have certain uh, systems and processes on how to onboard people, how to, how to run trucks, and, and people can run it in your absence, that means your business is more valuable to an investor. And then all they have to do is hire a general manager to come in and place once they buy you out to run your business and your business can continue to print money for that investor versus you as a business owner walking away and then the business crumbles. So good. Well, I really appreciate your time, Marvin. Hey, I know, thank you so much. I know you just spoke yes. and you're on podcast and I don't want to, I don't want to overstay my welcome here. Uh, make sure you check out Marvin. He was on with Jonathan Potoshnik, who sold a business for a big old amount of money. A couple of dollars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, John Pajak interviewed both of y'all, uh, which is really cool. I can't wait to go back and listen to that oh, one. Yeah. I saw you over good. there on Naylor's show. Were you on Andrew's show? I was. So you were on all four. All four of y'all. So if you want more of Marvin, we're going to honor his time here. He could talk business for hours. Oh, yes. Uh, Listen to LCR Media Podcast. Uh, Look him up on Andrew Martinez, Lone Star, and then um, Profits with Payjack, and and, and they seem to go a lot longer there. But I want to honor your time, so thanks so much, Marvin. Hey, thank you for having me. You need to increase your prices to earn more, but you better do it correctly or your customers will become unhappy. You want to discover the proven method to easily increase your prices? I've assembled the Price Increase Letter Template. It's a plug and play document that will allow you to inform your customers in the correct way so that they understand why and will gladly accept your price increase. You can pick up the Price Increase Letter Template today at the Resource Center at thegreenindustrypodcast.com. Hey, it's Marty, producer of the Green Industry Podcast. This episode is over, but check the episode notes for links to products and services that you heard about during the episode. And thanks for listening.